welcome to Unraveling Crypto, the podcast. I'm your host, Vane. If you're curious about Web3 but don't know where to start, you're in the right spot. I know how full your life is already, and I also know how much freedom this expansive space can offer. Each episode, we bring on Web3 experts to share what they love. Through easy conversation, we cover topics like financial literacy, blockchain, and how to use these in practical ways. It's not just about technology, but about who is building it and why it's being built. Welcome. Today, I had a lovely conversation with Chris. We talked about Console DAO and how it's disrupting the DAO community scene in Web3. His experience founding tech companies in both Web2 and Web3, the book he's writing, and the baby steps he thinks everyone new to Web3 and crypto would benefit from. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Let's dive in. Chris, welcome to Unraveling Crypto. Hey, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. I am so excited. So before we get started, I love to start with um, what are you most grateful for right now? <laughs> I um, This is an easy one because <laughs> I'm upstate like in the woods right now. And when I wake up in the morning and I just see the the green that is, you know, around the house and the sun. Um, having lived in New York City for 10 years, I just, I'm extremely grateful for just like every morning I wake up, I'm just like, <laughs> Okay, so this is actually pretty cool because um, I shared with you that the audience and the community listening to this are wellness humans. And most of them, including myself, we kind of had like this aversion like towards technology and we're like, we want to move to the middle of somewhere. And you are a great example that you can definitely move in the middle of nature and still be a part of Web3. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. We are nature, right? Humans. So right. <laughs> it's good to kind of come back and connect. And um, yeah, too much. Yeah, I, I love it. So yeah, I've been spending a lot more time <laughs> in the woods <laughs> up to upstate. So yeah, so um, maybe get, let's get started with sharing a little bit about you and what you do. Yeah. Um, wow. That is a lifetime of a question. question. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm working right now on console, console.xyz. And, you know, it's, we're, we're explaining it to people as Web3 Discord. And the audience for that. If that doesn't resonate for you, I'll come back to you. But the audience for that are generally people who are already pretty deep into crypto or the vision of the future of the internet. And those people, myself included, and you included, um, we share like a, we share a vision of a future in which technology allows us to have, I would say, better human rights. Like we own our digital technologies, as opposed to Silicon Valley, or as opposed to Google and Facebook, the technology is also more open source, more shareable, more freely sharing of ideas. Um, I think there's just like a more kind of um, better vision that we have for how the internet can be and how it can give people us to reclaim our freedom. And so all of that to say, it's we're at this really interesting place right now building the future of technology because we have these new tools to make 
a lot of improvements in the future. And yet we're still on a lot of like older legacy software. And so console, what I'm working on is a community chat app that will help bring those values to um, basically any, you know, any community out there that wants to form around, um, form around a mission, form around a community, form around, um, socializing or art and stuff like that. And so it's basically a community chat platform with all of the Web3 values built into the code. Ooh. If that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm get ahead of us. (laughs) No, well, I want to first ask you, what's your superpower? So that thing that comes the most, like the easiest for you that flows. Yeah. What's your superpower? (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, I, you know, I guess... If you ask me what my superpower is, I can only just think of like what I'm grateful for, you know, like, because sometimes your superpower, yeah, sometimes the superpower you're not always as aware of and it's easy to be like not so grateful for it. You know, it's easy to just Mm kind of take it for granted. I mean, I think that I'm pretty good at focusing and I I think, I I think it took me a while to appreciate that. Um, I mean... I read a lot of books um, yeah. and like I could just like sit in front of a book for hours and get lost. And um, and similarly, I like to just shut my phone off like an airplane mode and just like focus. But I'm really I'm really grateful for that. Um, it's a fight. You know, it's something like I do have to work at. Like I have two phones and like one's for social media and one's for like leaving the house. Like, um, but I do really just enjoy just like being present and focusing. And I guess I just, yeah, I feel really grateful. I feel like it's it's a good skill to have or a good thing it makes especially me nowadays yeah. it's hard yeah yeah it's hard it's definitely not easy but it's something that i seem to do decently well so yeah okay. what's your superpower so, do, I, do, I, do i get to ask you questions Ooh, uh my superpower i would say it's like bringing people together like building mm. experiences ooh, i have always yeah. done that since like a very like i always remember like my superpower i think about it like what did i do when i was a child that came like that I did all the time. And I used to love doing that. Oh, that's so interesting. That's an interesting way to kind of harness. Yeah. What is your superpower? What did you do? As- <laughs> yeah. I love that. Okay. Great. Well, we're all here today with you. So thanks for bringing us yeah. together. Mm, thank you. Okay. So you mentioned that console kind of um, brings together, like it's in the values of Web3. Can you share with us what those values are? I think there's three main values that are really worth um, pointing out. And and these values are, are part of a long history of building technology that we've, that, that, you know, back from the 60s and 70s of creating the original internet, we've had these like ideals of like how people can really communicate with each other and coordinate better. And the internet's been a part of that. And along the way, we've also had, um, you know, we've swayed back and forth towards um, obstacles and, you know, phishing and phishing attacks and, and bots and centralization of Facebook, right? And it's it's just been a journey. But we're at this really interesting place where these values are, are getting a lot more clear of what we need to do to evolve the technology in order to get us, mm-hmm. I think, ideally to just like a, um, a place a more harmonious, better future is really what we're building towards. And those three values, the first one's decentralization. So it's kind of a big word, decentralization, right? But it really just is like the opposite of centralization, right? So, you know, things are fairly centralized in the world right now. And 
it's not always bad necessarily. I don't want to paint it as like good or bad, but centralization in our technology has led to a lot of corruption recently. And so, for example, if you look around like overreach of power anywhere from Facebook and Instagram, the way those algorithms, you know, are, are mm-hmm. keeping us, you know, just basically keeping us like guinea pigs, like watching and watching yeah. um, is really not healthy for humanity, right? And and we and we the users have very little say or like input into that because it's just very centralized, very black box. We don't really know what's happening. Um, centralization also has, you know, issues with if we look at well, crypto is a lot about also about currency and money. So centralization, you know, if our money is owned, like we actually don't own that many things in life. Like even our money that we own, it's like is actually backed by the government and it's like in a bank that we trust has it for us. And you know, I think luckily in in I'm in the United States, like, you know, we're in the United States, like um, these issues aren't as prevalent, but if you look around the the globe, like issues of centralization yeah. lead to corruption, you know, and in so many governments, so many dictators. And then historically, you know, we'd like to say things are good now, but it's easy sometimes. It's easy to just imagine like getting a, mm-hmm. a wild dictator running your country. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, you have to trust this person with inflation, making more money and like a lot of dangerous things. So, so centralization, um, you know, at least a lot of corruption. So this idea of decentralization is really important to Web3. And that it, the idea of, of decentralization is just that power is is more evenly distributed to, in this case, like the users of a website, in this case, money, you know, so it's like with Bitcoin, you mm-hmm. own you own your currency. It's like a sense of freedom of like, I own this and no one can take this away from me. No one can make more of it, inflate it. So decentralization is, I think, really important to like, balancing power over time because right now power is really concentrated um the second two i'll try to go through a little quicker um the second one would be (laughs) this is actually super valuable i feel like those okay okay. yeah yeah i had a friend one day tell me she's like i hear i feel like people are talking about crypto in a way that's so fast and i never understanding and they don't understand it either and they can't explain it and i'm like this this conversation is perfect. Oh like, great! Okay, well I can talk yeah. about it. Yeah, I've been also been working on a book about this, so I'm like 200 pages. I was deep just gonna it. say, <laughs> I was gonna ask you about that, but we'll, we will get to that. We can come back to that. So yeah, I'm pretty deep into into this. So um, yeah, so decentralization is important. I, I think, um, and, and I think that becomes a tool that that we, you know, here in this podcast and that we have the privilege of creating these tools can can really like use, I think, to distribute power more evenly for other people around the world, ourselves and other people. Yeah, I think it's like a global thing. Um, and I think the second thing is shared ownership. So Web3 allows you to own, um, like I said, you can, if you own your Bitcoin, you actually own it. It's like programmatically yours right i mean we can mm-hmm. go into a long story about why that is but you can just kind of just under, you know, understand it as it's yours um mathematically the code makes it so that it is and um and the ownership you know it, it started with bitcoin you know the whole blockchain web3 thing started in 2009 with bitcoin right that was like the first kind of blockchain mm-hmm. that came about um but it's you know ownership of money has now being translated to other types of ownership which are fascinating so we've seen ownership of nfts over the past year or so nfts are really interesting to me but not in the for the reason that i think it's interesting to the mainstream (laughs) um like to me nfts really represent um well i think i mean i I do think 
I'll just say, I do think the main, in the mainstream, there's this idea of like shared ownership of art and shared ownership yeah. of creation, which is very powerful. But in addition, I would say they represent identity, right? And they represent your, if you have one of a thousand NFTs, you are programmatically or basically like verified as part of a community, right? If you're a board ape, yeah. right? If you're in the board apes group, it's more than just the art. It's more than just like, to, to me, it's not about like how much money you can make. I mean, that's like all artifacts of this whole world. But what we're really talking about there is it's like this really cool way that you can you can like prove that you're part of a group. So, yeah. you know, there's a there's a community you know called Miami Coin. There's a Miami Coin DAO, and they're they're working to, as a crypto project to improve the city of Miami. And they're in their early days, but you know, there's some really interesting things that they're looking at doing with NFTs, for example. Or what if you imagine you were as part of the resident a resident of Miami, right? Then you had an NFT that proved you were a resident of Miami, right? Yeah. And it's like you can kind of um, programmatically prove your ownership in that community. And like, that's really, that's really cool. Um, and then shared ownership also then extends more broadly to identity and identity. Um, you know, right now we, our identity is wrapped up in like, like your, your Twitter account, like you don't own your Twitter account. Like you don't own that identity. Like my name's Akastig plug. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I don't really own that, right? It's like, you know, Twitter owns that. And, you know, if they want to shut it down, they can, if they want to take it back, if they, you know, and this has happened, we all know this, right? So, um, Constantly. So, when, mm. so when you're, when you own your identity, what that means is that it's on the blockchain. And the way I think about a blockchain is it's basically like a forever database. <laughs> like think of it as like a place where data can be stored for, it's like, you know, it's there. So if you own your identity, there's a way that you can prove over time that you are that person. And that's, it's really powerful. And, you know, we're using it right now for kind of silly things like, you know, these little discord groups and, and these NFT yeah. projects. And like, I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's silly, but you know, I, I think, uh, I think that like the it's bigger in those baby stages, it's in its baby stages. I think the implications of what's possible for, you know, government for bringing this to, um, developing countries for bringing this to just so many different use cases for like where where identity where people don't even have identity cards and like identity can be a, a crucial way to getting people involved in the economic um, in the global economy in like a really positive yeah. way. So that's like that's like the broad range. So decentralization number one, <laughs> uh, shared ownership is number two, mm-hmm. and the third thing, the third principle of Web three is just what I'd say work working in public or shared ownership uh, or sorry, or um, open source. Sorry. Um, so that's the idea of um, a lot of this we're doing in public and we're able to share ideas more easily and compose um, compose meaning like if, if I'm making a project, like the project I'm working on, it's going to be open source, meaning that you can easily build on top of it. You can easily fork it, which means you can easily look at it and say, I want to do that, but I want to actually like make my own version. You can, you're free to copy it and do your own. Um, and that's really important because it gives, it gives communities and it gives people freedom if they don't love the direction that a web three project's going, that they can, they can go and branch off and do their own thing. Right now, if you're, if a, if a million people disagree with Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook, you can't go and like copy Facebook and just go and leave and do your own yeah. thing. Um, you know, you're more or less like kind of trapped. So, so that's the, that would be my extended explanation so, of the three principles. No, this is, this is great. 
question regarding the um, open source. Is that similar? So it's how Bitcoin is also founded on. Like Bitcoin yeah. is an open source and it was forked and that's why Ethereum stacks kind of was created? Yeah, great question. So, um, so open source is... It, it it essentially means it refers mostly to code. Um, and the mm -hmm. idea is like the code that I create my app with, right? Like the Signal app, like I use the Signal app for texting and I love it. Mm -hmm. And I really love that the code is open source. Um, it means that I can read the code. Even if I can't read the code, it means that I have the right to read the code, right? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like a legal doc. It's like if you're signing a legal doc, you kind of want to like, you want to like, maybe, maybe I can't read it, but at least I know that someone's lawyer has read it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's basically that for code. And, um, and it makes me trust them more. Like if, if I can, if they're more transparent, I can trust them and I can trust the app. And so, um, so that's the idea of it. And it also allows developers to share ideas, to debug, to help each other. And it goes back, you know, decades now, like pretty much till the, the eight, 1980s. So this idea of sharing code and building on top of each other. And it's, I think there's like a whole, documentary series that needs to happen because it is really is open source that has changed the world and it doesn't get the the attention it needs for example um mm -hmm. i'm not going to put you on the spot with this but i'll ask your audience yep. as like a pop quiz i'm also a teacher so i have this like tendency to pop yeah. quiz. <laughs> i'm like oh my god <laughs> i <laughs> no, did no. not study for this <laughs> but um so who who invented the world wide web right I, you can answer it if you want, or I'll just answer it. Yeah, actually, I don't. I don't know. Right, but who invented the iPhone? Or oh, okay. Steve yeah. Jobs, right? We credit him, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, you know, um, I would say they're equally of big importance. Probably the World Wide Web is a bigger importance. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, the World Wide Web is developed by this this um, wonderful man named um, Tim Berners-Lee in 1991. And uh, he, he wrote this code and instead of making a company out of it, he gave it away for free and he worked still, you know, and, and we all benefit from it. That was, that was the, probably the biggest open source project that the world has ever seen. And it allows us to create on top of it and to build apps and all that stuff, right? Um, but I think the reason that we don't know his name is because until, um, until recently, until Web3, there hasn't been like the right incentives mechanisms available to reward mm -hmm. people for sharing their code for free. If you gave away your code for free, you didn't really get rewarded. And we see that with, with him. Like he's not like a billionaire, right? I mean, he's just like a guy yeah. still. You can read about it. So wait, I think this is in your blog, right? In the yeah. history of internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's coming back to me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. You did, you did the reading. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, wait, wait. I know this. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I, I just think I'm just trying to help everyone appreciate open source because we benefit it from every day. And like, it's just also this thing that we don't, you know, we don't think about, but we, we benefit in so many ways um, from it. And, um, and yeah, so Bitcoin is open source, meaning that you can read the code, you can fork it, like you said. Um, Ethereum didn't fork um, Bitcoin, but Ethereum basically looked at the code and kind of just made its own copy of it. Same thing with Stacks, Got like it. they were like inspired by it. But there have been forks to Bitcoin. Um, don't quote me on this, but I believe uh, I think Light Litecoin was a fork of Bitcoin. There's a few different ones okay. back in the day. I kind of don't remember them all, but um, but yeah, there are people who have basically just co just copied it and then Light Litecoin basically copied it and said like, 
hey, we're going to do this same thing, but we're going to make the transaction speed shorter or something like that. So stuff like that. Yeah. What do you think is like important for everyone to, to know or to learn? Like when you're just getting started, what is like the basics that we should know about Web3? Web3? And, cri and crypto. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there, there's quite a lot at this point. Um, that's why I'm writing the, the book and um, trying to share more. You know, I have this kind of page of links that I share to onboard people. And, <laughs> and uh, there's not just like one resource. It'd kind of be like asking in like 1999, like, how do you get people to understand the internet? And it's like so many things, you know? Yeah. Um, with that said, I think, you know, what I do, I, so I, I, I teach at Columbia at the business school and I teach people who are fairly web two to bring them over to web three. And what we do you know, a, a few pieces of kind of takeaways that are helpful are just take baby steps. And I would say what you could do um, if, if you're totally new to this um, is just go on Coinbase. And this is not investment advice, but <laughs> buy five, I'm just going to buy $5 of Bitcoin <laughs> as the investment. Yeah. But just buy, just buy $5 of Bitcoin, maybe $5 of Ethereum. It's not for investment. It's really just to, um, I think when you go through you can learn experientially a lot quicker. And so if you go through the steps of just like getting it, I think it starts to just make you ask questions like, what is this doing? Why do I have to put it in this wallet? What is a wallet? You know, so I would say get Coinbase would be helpful. And then the second thing would be um, get a web wallet. Um, I think either the hero wallet for stacks. So, so if anybody listening, um, so stacks is basically this hero wallet lets you transact and it's secured by bitcoin so it's basically bitcoin transactions um and then metamask is the web wallet for ethereum so these are like the two popular wallets um out there so yeah i would say grab one of those um i would recommend stacks because well i guess full disclosure like i'm building on stacks um primarily so i definitely like am in that <laughs> camp um but i think for newbies it's especially helpful because the transaction fees will be like the three cents or something like that we're on ethereum yeah. be that or hundreds of dollars sometimes just to make yeah. a transaction so so it's probably even better for newbies to start um building on bitcoin and, and just get get the hero wallet just put some stacks in there buy an nft like just do some little things it doesn't have to be this big thing that you're going to invest, yeah. you're going to change your career, but just, just kind of take some baby steps. Yeah, that's how it starts. And I want to ask you a question regarding like, what's been the difference between being a Web2 founder versus a Web3 founder? Hmm. Um, that's a great question. Yeah, so yeah, my last company, one month, you know, we were really Web2, I guess, in that we started in 2013. And we were online coding school, teaching people how to code. Um, and now console is, you know, really, really focused on Web Web three. I think that there's like a, a lot of similarities, to be honest. Like as far as the founding role, because if you're running a company, there's just a lot of the you just have a lot of the same challenges. There's fundraising, there's mm -hmm. hiring people, right? Um, there's building a product, there's getting users. Like none of these things have changed. So, I mean, hopefully this is inspiring if anyone is working at, you know, a, a kind of more traditional company right now or Silicon Valley tech company, and you're thinking about joining a Web3 company. Um, I think a lot of those positions, 
and skills are transferable. The the leap, which is just maybe the, the leap over that I would say would be the difference for anyone that wants to work in Web3 or, or that, you know, that I found is all of these things we're, we're talking about, I think understanding, you know, the principles of Web3, like what decentralization means, like how to work on like open source projects, um, what an NFT is. So maybe some of the under underneath the hood of like how a blockchain works and best security practices. I think, I think you have to be, you know, we're talking about transferring money a lot more. And in a case with Web3, it's like, you are the custody, like you are responsible. There's like not always like the centralized bank, like I can't call and if I lost money. So, so I think there's just some security yeah. hygiene and, and that kind of stuff that, yeah, you just, just need to really like educate yourself on Web3, do a deep dive, but it's, it's learnable. And, um, and also we're, we're hiring at console. So if there's any brilliant uh, <laughs> designers or devs that want to, that want to come from come a over. Web2 company, come on over. Uh, you can reach out. Yeah, I think um, mo- the community when we when I speak to them, one of the things that they say is just like, I there's a lot of responsibility, and mm. uh, most people that's what they're afraid of actually in like learning something new. Or do you find that often with like your students or the people you encounter? Or what's like the friction point of why most people don't go in at first with? Even learning anything new, but especially Web3. Yeah, I think there's a learning curve for sure. Mm -hmm. And so the learning curve can dissuade some people. Um, I think beyond that, I I would be critical. I mean, if I had to be critical of where Web3 is right now, I do think that there's a bit of a like the narrative is a little out of whack from um, where I can imagine that it can be. And I guess what I'm trying to say is it doesn't always feel so inclusive, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that deters a lot of people. And I think that that's a shame because I know know that there's just, you know, like many of the smartest people I know and most interesting people are like, working and exploring like little pioneers in this in this field and, and pushing the future and then at the same time the headlines that you read the news you know there's a lot of distraction i actually call it with my friends i call it people magazine because like you remember like you would like be at the supermarket and like you was like I mean, I don't read People Magazine, but maybe if you do, but like I, the only time I had People I Magazine, know. yeah, it's just like at the supermarket, and you'd like, you'd be like, Brad and Jennifer broke up, but it's like, oh, it's like, ta- and like that's the stuff that gets the people's attention, and mm-hmm. um, and so there's that, there's like the People Magazine version of crypto, and I feel like if you only subscribe to that, and unfortunately, that's generally what gets like the mainstream, like if Fox or CNN or yep, like if they cover it, they're like something was hacked or like so-and-so corrupted. It's always like these stories, like, you know, crypto bros trying to blah, blah, blah. And it's, um, that is, that does exist. I mean, I'm definitely not trying to say it doesn't exist, but I'm just also trying to say (laughs) there's a much more longer, like amazing story below it that, that doesn't get the coverage because it's not as sensational. And so, yeah, I guess I would just hope that, um, if anybody was dissuaded or felt like, um, yeah, that it was um, hard to, 
were unappealing or they were had trepidation about uh, this, you know, I'm not sure about this Web3 thing. Um, yeah, to maybe just try to find some people who are good examples in the space and reach out to them and talk to them or follow them on Twitter and um, and just, you know, you can just unfollow the people who are like, you could, you could, you could yeah. choose your, I mean, we're talking about wellness. Like you can choose where you put your consciousness and where you it's put your focus. And um, I think that there is a real positive stream of people building and doing amazing things. And I think it's just, um, yeah, it's just our responsibility to direct that toward the people that are doing like amazing work and not to be distracted. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you even said it's like, what are you subscribing to, right? And mm -hmm. I think that if you want to look at the bad, there's always going to be the bad. If you, you know, and it's really important to connect to those that are actually building. A lot of these things is information like that's just being shared without really knowing where the source is coming from or, you know, like... yeah media always highlights or amplifies yeah. something more embellishes really what's actually going on so um let's take it back to like building like why build on bitcoin mm, yeah um why build on bitcoin so building on bitcoin um when we talk about building on bitcoin um what we i guess what we mean in general about like building in Web3, you're building on Ethereum, we're building on Bitcoin. Like we have all these different options of where we build. Um, mm -hmm. What that really means first, just to define building on something, um, is that, so let's just use console, for example, the app I'm building, right? Um, even if you don't know anything about technology, right? You could understand that it's an app, which is some code, right? Um, <laughs> and that code lives... Um, on a server. A server is just a computer that's like not your computer. Just lives on a server that's somewhere like in Ohio or somewhere in the middle of the country, right? <laughs> Something like I'm just making that up. But like, for example, it's somewhere. And then, you know, when you go on the internet, basically that you connect and that and that code comes on your screen and like you're connecting with that app. But that's, that's all it is, is it's code moving back and forth. Um, and that's how the whole internet works. You're just basically sending code back and forth to the web browser. Okay, so that's like a little digital literacy lesson there. Um, but when we talk about building on uh, crypto, we're building on, right? Um, actually, that a lot of that is the same. So for console, for example, we are we are building like one layer of code is like the same as any other app. It's just going to be probably just on Amazon Web Services, which is like the biggest server kind of in the world at the moment. And that, and that will be there that will like host our code. But the part that you build on Bitcoin, and you can choose this as a creator, we are building the decentralization, right? The, that's what I'm talking about. Like the, we're building on Bitcoin where we think it matters most. So for example, first identity, like our identity of the app will be verified by the Bitcoin blockchain. What does that mean? It means that if you come to our app, there won't be an email, username, password sign up. To come to console, you'll need a hero wallet. You come to here, you come there, get your hero wallet. You don't need any money either in that wallet. But what the what the wallet does is it's in your it's basically just in your browser at the top of your browser. And it just gives you basically just gives you a long number, which you call a hash, but it just gives you like a long number, which is basically like your identification number. And then you can just use that to enter web three sites, right? And you can use that to enter console. And that hash there, right? 
is basically stored on the Bitcoin blockchain, right? There's like a, there's a connection there. And so that it's verifiable that you own that. We don't own that. I can't go in and like take your account from you. I can't go in and like read your account. You know, only the person with that can read it. And so that's really powerful. So that's the part, the identity is the part that's like building on Bitcoin. It's like we put the identity on Bitcoin. Um, two other things that we're putting on Bitcoin are there'll be voting in the app. So in these communities that are without a leader, like leaderless, they often do votes, like in a DAO, basically, which we could talk about. They'll also do votes in order to kind of decide, like, you know, should we spend money on this? Should we hire this person? They'll do they'll do like a consensus, like, okay, let's get it, let's get a vote. Um, and we'll also be putting that in the Bitcoin blockchain so that there's a record, a history of of that. So for example, so so there's a few things that we decide to put on the Bitcoin blockchain, but the rest of it's just kind of like an app like any other app. Um, over time, I think as the technology gets better, more things will be potentially more things can be on the blockchain. But right now the technology is still kind of new. So there tends to be like a blend, you know, in order to make it still kind of fast and usable, but secure, we do this kind of blend model. Okay. So that's what it means to build on Bitcoin. And then I guess back to your question of like, why put identity? Mm -hmm. Why put these things on, on Bitcoin and not on Ethereum? You know, um, everybody has, has their own opinion on this. I'm really passionate about about Bitcoin because it's truly the most decentralized cryptocurrency or like blockchain that's out there. It's the oldest, so it's been running the longest. So we have the most history of it. We don't know who created it. And there's really just like no central team or person, unlike in Ethereum or Solana has like very centralized people. So we don't really know who created it. So there's less of a likelihood that person, if that person dies or if that person you know, changes their mind that Bitcoin's going to change. Like Bitcoin's likely not going to change. So it's very reliable. You know, this year, if you look at Ethereum, Ethereum is like changing their entire kind of mechanism of how it works this year from right. something called proof of work to proof of stake. I won't go into it. And there's pros and cons of why they're doing that. But I think the important thing to note is like, they're changing like almost everything under the hood. And, um, you know, I think it just makes it more open to vulnerabilities it makes it more open to politics when things are changing so i'm really bullish on bitcoin because i think if we're going to create a future where we want this forever database where we want to like trust that our identity is what we say it is and we can trust in that i think there's just nothing nothing's proven itself more than bitcoin and and more people know it i think even though ethereum's definitely leading in right now in, in app creation i think long term there's a huge potential for bitcoin because it has my mom and dad know what Bitcoin is. They don't know what Ethereum is yeah. like the, the general world understands it. And I think as, as soon as they can incorporate it into more apps, more cities, more use cases, I think it's just, yeah. So that's why I'm doing that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, another question would be also as a consumer, why is it important to learn this? Like what's the cost of you not learning or being involved at this point in time with Bitcoin and like Web3 in general? Yeah, as a, like, hmm, tell me a little more. So as a consumer, like, for example. Well, more than, a, more than like a consumer, I guess, let me reframe the question. It's just like, what, what will people in Web2, like my friends or our families mm. that are not involved in Web3, what are they missing out on? Or what's the, like, yeah, what are they missing out on? Or what's the cost for them in the future, if you see any of them not getting involved? 
Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm a pretty optimistic person. So yeah, I have to try to think of, you know, what the negative consequences would be. Um, I think it's mostly an opportunity cost at this point, because okay. I think there's just a, I think, you know, web two technologies, what we're kind of calling web two being more centralized and not yeah. on the blockchain, they're going to, they're going to continue to exist. I, I don't think there's going to be a point when they all go away, you know, just, just as like, I don't want to get too much into a history lesson here, but just as like web one technologies, which we would say basically just like basic web pages, we can just think of like, yeah. like they still, you know, or like vinyl records, like these things still exist. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, and people will still continue to build them and they'll still be valuable. So not everything will be web three. So it's not that I don't think you're like, you know, going off a cliff or something like that. Um, but I do think <laughs> that if you're innovative and creative and you want to work with like, probably the I mean I, I just find that like a lot of the more interesting creative smart people are like working on these problems because they're new problems and they're exciting and there's a lot of potential in these experiments so I think there's just an opportunity where it's like if you want to build something amazing you're going to get a lot of support right now I mean especially you know in our community um, building on stacks building on Bitcoin if you have an idea for something there's you can submit it to the foundation you'll likely get a grant you'll likely get money to just build it um you'll get mm -hmm. support from the community like there's just it's just like a fiery moment right now <laughs> where there's like a lot of potential and energy and um you know that might not last um so i think that i think eventually you know web3 is going to become this huge industry and it's going to take over every aspect of our lives I think web two will still exist. I think they'll both coexist, but I think right now there's just this, like, I think over between now and the next few years, there's just this huge opportunity to become part of something really exciting. Okay. So. I, I love this answer because it's been really unique compared to everyone else. Mm. Everyone, like also the energy and that when we're in, it's like, if you don't get in now, you're going to miss out. You're going to be like, so it's like this, like fear kind of yeah. like, oh and it's, but I love this because it, it's like, it's, you know, at your own pace, step by step, and you'll be a part of it too. It's not, no one's leaving you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. Um, so tell us about your book. I know you mentioned it a few times, um, but a little bit, just give us, give us the lowdown of it. All right. Ready? <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's, um, it's essentially, it's called the decentralized generation and it's, Essentially, you know, what can we learn from the history of the internet about the future of the internet? Mm -hmm. And the history of the internet, to me, super fascinating. Started in the Cold War as like the internet basically came out of the Cold War fight with the Soviets. We created the internet. It's this whole story, a long history, and decentralization of the internet even predates the internet itself. So I share all of this because. A lot of the ideas that were like being brainstormed mostly by these fascinating like hippies outside of San Francisco who were like doing LSD in the 60s and like, you know, living on communes, not all of them, but there was some influence of that. We're really kind of like brainstorming and just imagining what a better world could be if we could connect with strangers, if we could share information more freely, you know, if we can own our there's like more self self sovereign identity and all this kind of stuff. Like a lot of these ideas are predated and I bring all of that up because maybe to a savvy listener, 
you're like, whoa, those are the same things we're talking about right now. And I think they are, you know, and then it's like, well, why didn't they happen back then? And I think that's where the lessons of the book come from, where, you know, we can learn from many attempts to create a decentralized society in the past, why that didn't happen quite, you know, to create open source and to make open data around the world. like, you know, why that's still a challenge. Like a lot of these things, Web3 isn't new. Um, you know, we're, we're just talking about it right now because it's become to the mainstream. But I think if we can understand the history and then we can just better predict the future. And so, yeah, that's, I mean, the book's about Web3. It's not really a history book. It's like primarily about Web3, the principles of Web3, examples. Um, I, I made it for really for my students at Columbia, like the business school students, just trying to think in their head of like, what is the quickest way I can get somebody onboarded to Web3? <laughs> like, and, you know, in the form of a book, it doesn't help. Like, it, it's taken a lot of work. I've been working on this for like almost three years now to extract the, what's faddish from the more tectonic changes. Like, you know, and that's so the book is like, how do I get you up to date on seeing the slower, more tectonic changes? Things about, the importance of decentralized identity, um, things about decentralization, things about open source, like these aren't going to go away, you know, and, and this yeah. is like kind of like getting that signal from like the day-to-day -day noise. Um, I really tried to pull that as much as possible into the lessons of the book. So. And when is it going to be ready? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> no pressure. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> it's less on me and more on the publishing world. Um, yeah. So, TBD on that. I hope I hope to have a date in the next month or so. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it will probably be end of this year or early next year. So more on that to come. Uh, just book publishing is so slow. So yeah. Okay. But thanks. So outside of Web three and all that we've been talking about, what do you like to do? Tell us, like, what's what do most people not know about you in Web three? <laughs> oh man. Um, I don't know. That's a hard question. I, I feel like genuinely pretty <laughs> curious about most things. Um, I feel like I get obsessed about things for like a year or two at a time <laughs> and then maybe try some new things. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I spend a lot of time. I like to read, right? Um, yeah. I like to, I don't know, just have long conversations with people. I've been hiking a lot since I've been up, up here. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's a tricky okay. question. But yeah, a lot, of, a lot of things, almost everything. I think there's not a thing that if you were like, hey, let's do this on the weekend, I'd be like, oh, let's just do it. Like, that sounds awesome. Like, yeah. like most things I'm pretty open to giving a try. Okay. Um, so I want to finish, wrap up with like a lightning round. So I'm going to ask you just a series of questions and you can just answer them as like concise as possible. Okay. Yeah? Ready? Okay. Um, what's your favorite book? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hard, hard question. Wow. Um, Books? I, I, you know, wow. Um, that is a hard question. I mean, I really love, I, I really love the 
I'll name a few. Otherwise, book uh, the denial of death from the seventies is one of my favorite books. Um, <laughs> it won the Nobel Prize about like understanding our, our kind of existential dilemma of denying death. Um, I really love um, the you all know Harari books, um, Sapiens. Like just has blown my mind. I just feel like I could talk for hours about that. Um, but maybe mm-hmm. one of the more approachable books that would be like a recommendation, kind of yeah, easy read, would be I really love Letters to a Young Poet by. Um, Raina Marie Rilke, do you know this book? No. Yeah, this one, I, that's, that's like, you know, it's like 100 pages. Um, anyone that's feeling creative or stuck being creative or wants to create something in the world, it's um, it was written in 1905 by this um, this really famous poet at the time, who's still famous, uh, Raina Marie Rilke in uh, Austria. And one of his students, uh, a student who had, gone to the same college and tried to do everything that Roque had done is like, I'm doing all the things you did, as, you know, as we do of our idols. We're like, I'm doing all the things you do. Like, how do I then become famous? Basically, this is like 1905. And he writes this letter. He's like, is my poetry any good? How do I become you? And then it's the the letters to young poets is 10 letters. Uh, just just once you only read Rilke's responses, 10 responses to that question. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's something like the, the deepest, like, wait, like, um, I don't know, just some really great quotes, like, um, like, like something about like, uh, don't, don't force it. Like, like think about how nature, think about how a tree grows, you know, like, just, mm. you know, it just like, it just lets yeah. itself grow. It doesn't like force itself. Like there's a lot of these like yeah. vignettes and ideas. One that I really like is um, like, love the questions in life. Like try not to look for the answer so much or just enjoy the questions. So I made this a lot longer of an answer than you asked for in the lightning round. But, <laughs> but this is actually really great. I know who to go to if, when I need a book. <laughs> I have, I used to have a book podcast where I talked about books. Oh yeah. People. So That's I think I'm, I think cool. I, I think I think I'm on the podcast. right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's okay. Next question. What's one piece of advice you want to share with the world right now? Oh man, um, yeah, I think uh, or no, maybe just be curious and be kind. You know, I don't know, just like probably give somebody a call that you haven't <laughs> talked yeah. to in a while. <laughs> It'll be nice. Which I'll appreciate. Wins. It. Yeah. What's one thing you can't stand? One thing I can't stand. Um. I really, I have a aversion to honking, like car honking. Like if I'm in New York City and there's like, I'm a, I just have to, I will not be able to sleep. Your favorite place on earth? I was in love with Berlin for many years. <laughs> I lived there for a bit and I spent many top years over it. I haven't been in a few years, so I, don't know, I feel like it's changing so much. But I would say for quite a lot of time, um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, just the energy and creativity of Berlin is just was, is really exciting. I hope it's still, I haven't been since the pandemic, but I hope it's still there. <laughs> and what do you love most about yourself? Oh, wow. What a nice question. Um, <laughs> what I love most about myself? Um, I don't know. I guess I make myself laugh. I feel like that. <laughs> Like when no one's around, like, just laugh. It's like, it's pretty good. What about you? What do you love most about yourself? I like that question. Um, I like that I go all in. Mm. So I, yeah, I, I don't have ass anything. Yeah. 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 That's really great. That's really great. Just all 100%. Yeah. Chris, thank you so much for oh, taking yeah. the time. It's been an incredible conversation and I know we'll probably have many more along the way. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to just 
leave the audience with or do you feel good? Not really. I mean, you know, whoever's listening, like, you know, if, if any of this is exciting to you and, you know, you want to learn more, you want to, um, you know, I would just encourage you to, to dive in to, to follow to follow what you're doing here with this podcast. I think this is a great um, onboarding and um, feel free to get in touch, you know, um, I guess with either of us with, you know, on Twitter, I'm on Twitter at C-A-S-T-I-G. So if you reach out, you know, I'm happy to share snippets or point in the right direction if you're trying to learn something. And um, yeah, I'm also really excited about what we're building with console. So if anybody out there wants to follow that project, that's a C console DAO, C-O-N-S-O-E-L-E-D-A-O. It's a little longer. Console DAO. Um, yeah. And so that's, you know, I'm on Twitter a lot. And so you can reach out to me there if you have any questions or curiosities. Yeah. We'll add this to the show notes and um, oh, where people can hang out with you and just chat. But Again, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Um, this is so fun. Time. Yeah, thanks for putting this together. It was so great. Thank you for tuning in. I so appreciate you being here. My intention with this podcast is to empower you to walk into another world feeling confident. Through powerful conversations, we can build this bridge together. If you love this conversation, please leave a review on iTunes. And if you're feeling extra generous, share this episode with a friend who's curious too. To stay connected, find me on Twitter and IG at Vibes. See you next week when we unravel a little bit more.